Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in, Monday edition of the program in studio today, and glad to have you with us here on this Monday edition of the program. Did anybody see an IU win coming on Saturday in the fashion that it took place, 63-45, the final score, Indiana knocks out Wisconsin in a big way, another uh, memorable day for Trace Jackson Davis. Hard to believe that his careers were into 2023 and the final couple months of his college season will slowly likely come to an end, but uh, definitely uh, a huge win for Indiana, a must-needed win. I'm, I, I'm refrained from calling anything here in early to mid-January a must-win game, but it definitely is or was trending that direction. I think it's going to be really interesting now to see how IU responds after a big victory. If you think back in recent seasons, and I would have to go back through the schedule to give you the specific scenario, but there have been multiple times when Indiana's back has been somewhat against the wall, and they've they've done it. They've got a huge win, or they've pulled the upset, or they've regrouped, or whatever the situation was at that time. And then you come out and think, maybe they've got it together. Maybe they've turned the corner. Maybe they've figured out how to play without Xavier Johnson and Race Thompson and still be successful. And then they let you down the very next game, sometime in a very big way. So I think this is a very, very important week for IU. That's obvious, I think, to most fans and listeners of this program. But uh, we'll keep a close eye on things this week with some other big games and really a a tough stretch coming up here for Indiana. Also, a great weekend of high school basketball. We're going to jump into that here in a moment. But uh, had the opportunity to call two fabulous games. Floyd Central played probably the best they've played all season at Jeff on Friday night. That's how it should be in a rivalry game. But Jeff came back and found a way to win, just like they did against New Albany the week before. Saturday night, good crowd once again at Providence. Casey Kalen back for the Pioneers. So much fun to be in that environment and to see Providence and Jeff battle it out. And the uh, Pioneers, again, they are for real. They have had a really good start to the season once again. And now that Casey is back healthy, Noah Lovin, other weapons on that team, This is a Providence team that has plenty of time ahead of them to refine things and to get ready for state tournament play, which will be here before you know it. And I'll say this, uh, early on I thought, boy, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat Brownstown. 
uh, and Jack Benner. But if anybody can do it, Providence and, and Ryan Miller can. So they've got a big challenge ahead, likely, if things shake out that way. But there's a lot of basketball between now and then. But Providence, really strong effort on Saturday night and another really good season for the Pioneers. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one in just a moment. Speaking of the Pioneers, Ryan Miller, the head coach of Providence, will join the program. We'll recap that win. We'll talk about Casey Kalen's return and Noah Lovin's strong play so far this season, all ahead in segment number one. And then later in the hour today, always on Monday, Zach Osterman from Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Star, checks in. We'll talk that IU victory over Wisconsin and what's ahead in a very important week in Big Ten play for the Hoosiers. And then we'll close things out today on Mondays with Chad Gilbert. He's the athletic director at Charlestown. He's our area's representative on the IHSA executive board, former coach in the area. We always like to go through some of the big high school happenings with Chad when he joins us Mondays here on the show. That's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service uh, always available at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And real quick, the Thornton's text line is open. We had great participation last week. I think a lot of people wanted to sound off on the Hoosiers and some of the things going on. Love to hear from you. Uh, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. And my, my ask has been, let's not just hear about IU criticisms and praises and things related to college basketball. I'd love to get more interaction on local stuff. So if you've got a question for Ryan Miller or you were at a high school game over the weekend, love to hear from you on the Thornton's text line. Let's get into our first guest, Coach Miller of Providence with us today. Coach, big weekend, big win on Saturday. Congratulations. Hey, Matt. Yeah, thanks. Uh, appreciate it. It was a, a great, like you said, a great uh, weekend of high school hoops uh, around the area and certainly a fun game Saturday night. Very proud of the boys and how they played. Coach, I thought a lot of takeaways, all of them positive for Providence in that game, but I want to start with Casey Kalen. I, I kind of heard he might return. You confirmed that for me uh, Saturday afternoon, kind of getting prepared for the broadcast that night. Uh, but, you know, when somebody comes back from an injury, whether it's a foot, a leg, an arm, a hand, whatever it may be, you always wonder how long is it going to take them to get back in shape? How long is it going to take them to get back to a level of pretty good confidence and be themselves? In some cases, uh, major injuries, will that player ever be themselves again? I don't think it was anything terribly serious with Casey, but he came out in that opening possession or two, and you could tell that he was ready to play. He was aggressive. He was shooting the basketball, driving the basketball. He finished the game with 20 points to lead all scores, and I think if there was any question going into Saturday night uh, with the rumblings that Casey Kalen might come back, he is back, and he looked really good Saturday night. Uh, yes, he, he did, and we, we are certainly very glad for him and for our team to, to have him back with us. You know, I mean, he's missed uh, basically about half the season. So as you alluded to, you kind of never know how, uh, how, how the player himself individually and then the team collectively as well, you know, are going to play when, when people have had to adjust for a while, you know, without, without a, a player, especially someone like uh, of Casey's caliber. And our guys had, you know, I'm so proud of the way that multiple guys have stepped up in his absence, you know, over, you know, the past uh, month and a half. Uh, but certainly we, we knew it was going to be positives 
uh, with him coming back. And uh, it was just a matter of how we all going to assimilate together again and our guys going to, you know, just, just be able to gel and, and figure out, hey, roles haven't changed drastically, but, but they've changed some. And, uh, you know, I think the way we play just kind of the team game and looking to move the ball and pass and cut and work off of each other lends itself well to being able to plug people back in. And, uh, of course, Casey, um, you know, a lot of credit to him during the time, you know, since basically Thanksgiving weekend, you know, he's been out since then. Um, he's worked so hard, you know, he's worked so hard, you know, every day in, in practice, you know, he's been running sprints every day. Uh, as soon as, you know, he broke both his right hand and his left wrist. So there for a while he was relegated to just the bike early on. And then, you know, but he'd be there in practice talking to the guys, uh, you know, encouraging people, being a leader, uh, and then also making sure that he was getting himself ready. And, uh, you know, the right hand healed up earlier than the left wrist. So he was able to get up shots and, uh, you know, he, he, I think he's actually improved his shot some during that time. He's really been working on that and ball handling. And, uh, you know, I think he shot seven of eight from the field and five of six from the line. Um, so a very, a very efficient game from him. And, and yeah, we were just so incredibly pleased just to see him back on the floor, number one, for him, because I know he's been itching to get back. And, and then for our team uh, to have played so well, him individually and then collectively, for our team to, to gel and come together the way we did. It's, it's, it's what we hoped for and it's what we expected, but you never know. So when it comes together like that, and, and we still have a lot of work to do and, and you know, continuing to, as you said, refine things uh, over the next month and a half. But uh, it's wonderful to have him back. Absolutely. Ryan Miller, the Providence coach, joining us as we kick off the Monday show. Uh, another player I want to bring up is Noah Lovin. Uh, he should be a familiar name to Southern Indiana fans, but he transferred back into the program in the offseason, or I should say back to Southern Indiana in the offseason, and uh, has really had a good year. And He had an opportunity uh, unexpectedly to really step into a leadership role with the early injury to Casey Kalen, and I thought he he has answered the call at every step of the ways. As you guys, three losses, you've won five games in a row now, have continued to roll even without Casey until his return Saturday night. Can you talk about his addition to your ball club and maybe as we move forward and we think about postseason and sectionals, what a one-two punch with Kalen and Lovin and all those other players that have key roles could look like for the Pioneers? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Noah as well. And I'll, I'll, uh, after I talk to him, uh, speak of him, I'll, I'll mention a few other guys that, that have just been tremendous for us during that stretch uh, in Casey's absence against some really, really good teams, some high-level competition, uh, especially for us being a two-A school. Um, yeah, you know, so, so Noah's a guy, uh, I do like to say that we got him back, uh, as a lot of people say, you know, hey, that transfer portal is good to you guys. <laughs> um, I say, wait a minute, wait a minute, not so fast. Uh, he got away from us. Um, you know, his, his family, they're Southern Indiana folks. Uh, you know, his dad uh, was a good ball player at Charlestown High School. Uh, uh, they're, you know, a lot, of, a lot of Jeff family there. Uh, he, went to, uh, he went to Sacred Heart. Uh, grade school here in Jeffersonville and, and multiple of his uh, relatives, you know, cousins. I went to school with several of them, uh, went to school here at Providence. So, you know, he was, he was one of our guys there at Sacred Heart. And then, uh, you know, they went over Trinity for a while and, and he did, you know, ha- did some nice things over there, but I think he just wanted to get back with some of his buddies, some of the guys he grew up with, you know, he was in our feeder team, 
you know, uh, as a seventh grader and eighth grader. So, yeah, it's, it's tremendous to have him back with us, uh, back home with us at Providence. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we really looked forward to this season. Uh, you know, at, at the conclusion of last year and everything, we thought, well, we got a shot to have a good year. Um, having Noah back what uh, was tremendous to us, being able to weather the storm of, of really just having not only Casey Kalen out, but then a young man named Carter Lannon, who was, uh, you know, the quarterback on the football team. Um, you know, he went out uh, with football as well this past year, and one of our other players, Preston Kemp, stepped up wonderfully for the football team. Um, but, you know, Carter Carter's a, a really tough, hard-nosed kid who brings so much to us, too, and he went out as well. So we were shorthanded, you know, our, our kind of, you know, returning star player, Casey, and then also shorthanded a, a really tough, uh, instrumental player, uh, especially for our program and how we play in Carter Lannon. So, so Noah, you know, without him, it would have been a, it would have been a very tough stretch. Uh, with him, we were able to really play good ball and, uh, and, and really, you know, there were a couple games we'd like to have back, you know, we were, we were up, uh, we were up the Scottsburg game, you know, up by three with less than 20 seconds left. And then same thing, you know, up double digits uh, in the fourth quarter um, there at uh, Evansville Memorial. But those are two teams that have been ranked in Class 3A. And, and our guys, without one of uh, a couple of our top guys, were, were right there. And uh, been, been so impressed with Noah. I mean, he has it, – it's, it's like he's been with our program the whole time. And honestly, we, we knew him, and, and we knew he was a great ball player. But didn't know any time you add another, you know, another player to a program that's uh, fairly well established in terms of how we play and how we do things. Uh, you don't know how quickly that young man is going to be able to to understand and uh, execute the way that, that we do things. And he has just done a masterful job of that. He's fit right in, not only with with how he plays, but also with his interactions with his teammates. Um, and, and just with his leadership, as you said, too, he's really stepped up and become a leader for us. And it's, he's just a wonderful young man. Uh, so glad to have him and his family back with us in our community. All right, great stuff. Ryan Miller of Providence, uh, our guest coach. Uh, big one on Saturday night. I do want to hone in on that game specifically for your entire team. I thought, once again, it was a great showing of Providence basketball under your leadership, which has become a very defensive-focused uh, mindset, very tough uh, defense you're going to get when you play a Providence basketball team. But Jeff is young, and they are talented, and they've got some bright days ahead. They've already had some, in fact, this season. But to to beat them the way you did, it was a nip-and-tuck game, but to get it out to nine at the end, I thought here as we turn the corner and start to have thoughts about sectionals and things like that down the road a bit, uh, it was a huge win for your team at this pivotal point of the season. You're right. You're right, Matt. It, it really was uh, because I have, have a ton of respect for Jeff, and as you said, they are uh, they are already really good. I mean, I, I think you, you – you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, I was talking to Coach Wilkerson before the game, too. I think their only losses really up to that point had come to the big dogs, you know, out of Indy. Um, you know, and, and not just any Indianapolis schools. You know, they're, they're playing uh, North Central, uh, Warren Central, you know, and, and, and the likes of those caliber teams. And, and they've played them competitively. Um, so we knew that uh, Jeff is the real deal right now. Uh, now, moving forward, as you said, uh, I, I think I think they're going to be one of the top teams in the state. Um, you know, over the next few years, they're just so they have size, they have speed, talent. 
Um, they're skilled and, and they're very well coached. You know, I think Coach Wilkerson is doing a great job. He and his staff are doing a great job with that team. They are playing. Uh, it, uh, you know, I told Coach Wilkerson, and you, you spoke of the uh, Floyd Central uh, Jeff game and also the New Albany Jeff game. You know that I, I was able to watch that one on film, and then was at the uh, Jeff Floyd game, and it thought, I thought, wow, this this is starting to look like some of the the Jeff teams of the '90s. You know, just the uh, the style of play, and boy, there was just uh, what what awesome crowds and environments those games were. And then again on Saturday night for our game, I, I thought our, our, our community came out in, uh, in full support. And uh, sometimes for whatever reason, sometimes the, the Friday games are a little more well-tended than Saturdays, uh, especially for students. But uh, both teams brought a, brought a pretty good student section, and, um, and then the fans came out in full force. And what a fun game to be a part of. You know, as we tell our guys, like, you know, appreciate the fact that uh, you get to play high school ball here in Indiana uh, where, where it's a big deal. And um, – as you and I have discussed on that in the past, you know, it, it hasn't quite been, you know, what it used to be in terms of some of the, um, you know, attendance and support that you see, you know, for Indiana high school basketball. But uh, I'll tell you this year, I've been to multiple games. and I've just been so impressed and so pleased to see the number of people from our Southern Indiana community that's out there supporting our, our boys and, and our schools, uh, you know, who, who work so hard, you know, uh, to go out there and, 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 uh, perform well and it's wonderful to be rewarded with just a just a great crowd and environment like we've been getting um uh, like i said a kind of across the board i think um but yeah what a game uh jeff is the real deal you know a pressure style coach wilkerson will throw you know three and four different defenses at you you never know what you're going to get he'll, he'll be full court in you you know the, the whole distance of the court uh line to line they'll go three-quarter court they'll throw different various presses at you um, they'll get in the half court and they'll throw some zone at you. Then they'll, they'll be out pressuring you man-to-man, denying everything, and then they'll be backed up a little bit. So it's just a game of you're constantly uh, having to be mindful of adjusting, you know, here and there and, and, you know, being prepared for whatever might come at you. And I thought our boys, by and large, did a good job of that. Um, you know, a rough start for us. Uh, first quarter, we did not start out well at all. Uh, credit to Jeff for doing so. And then uh, recovered well, played, played, started playing our game in the second quarter, and then it was almost like uh, the second half uh, mirrored the first half. Uh, third quarter, um, you know, we warned the boys that Jeff would make some adjustments because you know we had taken a little lead into half, and I thought we were we were starting to play our game, and uh, and then we got away from our game uh, for a little while there in the third quarter. And, uh, and then Jeff was able to, you know, hit a few huge shots right there at the end of, of the third period and one at the buzzer where you felt like, you know, okay, we better, we better come out uh, with a solid start here in the fourth quarter. And, you know, we just told our guys, hey, we're good. You know, we're good. We got this. But we got we to gotta get back to who we are and do what we do, you know, on both ends of the floor and start, start moving the ball, uh, you know, playing, playing, playing together, finding each other, and, uh, you know, playing, as we say, playing intelligently and playing aggressively. And uh, our boys were able to do that, you know, in the fourth quarter and, uh, again, had, had some strong defensive performances by guys, you know, by, by all of our guys, especially Jaden Johnson and Brian Wall, you know, uh, two other young men who have stepped up their defense who last year were kind of able to just be offensive, uh, a little offensive firepower off the bench, uh, but now they've had to step up their defensive game in Grant Siebold and, uh, and uh, Quentin Hesse. And then, of course, uh, you know, Noah and, and Casey, you know, were, were out there for the duration as well. 
So uh, just just very proud of the boys against a really really good Jeff team. You know who is going to be I think one of the best teams in the state uh, moving forward. But they are dangerous right now, and uh, and it was it was a heck of a win. Um, and again, well played by both teams. Ryan Miller of Providence, coach. Thank you for the chat to get the week started. Again, congratulations on the big win. We are cruising through the season. I know it sounds crazy to talk about sectionals and things of that nature, but we will be doing all of that here very soon as we move along. But uh, thanks for the chat today. Congrats again, and we'll chat uh, soon. Hey, thanks, Matt. Appreciate all you do for uh, Southern Indiana Athletics, and I always appreciate your coverage. Absolutely. Thank you, Coach. And a fun fun environment Saturday, and I'm glad that he mentioned the crowd uh, on Saturday as well. I, I've been impressed. You know, there's there's no Romeo. There's no for sure state title contender. Maybe you could make an argument that Providence is in that discussion right now, but I've been really proud of the crowds this year, uh, especially for the big rivalry games. They have been good, and Friday was good, but Jeff uh, Floyd and Saturday, I thought Providence and, and Jeff was solid as well. Have a text here from Butch on the text line. He says, Noah Lovins' great-grandfather coached at Jeff from 1965 to 1970. That was Coach Dick Barr. Kind of an interesting trivia fact as well. So uh, Lovin definitely with big connections here in southern Indiana. We'll head to a commercial break. IU basketball, the big win. I don't know that I saw that coming and that anybody did in the manner it happened. We'll recap it all with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star next. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. We are back here on this Monday program. The Thornton's text line is open. 502-414 is the number. Again, 502-414. You can send in your questions and comments on the Hoosiers and whatever else you like. We'll get them on the air today. Uh, Indiana, a big win, a very much needed victory at home on Sunday, 63-45. And Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star joins our program here in segment two as he does every Monday. Zach, I'm not terribly surprised Indiana won. Uh, They finally put it together. Trace Jackson Davis was outstanding as he typically is, but I guess it's the margin and the dominance by which they won the game that I'm most caught off guard by. Yeah, I think there are probably some ways that stylistically Wisconsin uh, wasn't a terrible matchup for Indiana here. Um, You know, I I don't think Wisconsin was going to do some of the things that we really saw Indiana struggle with against teams like Penn State in the way they spread the floor, um, in the way they kind of put you in conflict, and, and you know, even like in Iowa, sort of the same way. Obviously, Wisconsin is also shorthanded. Tyler Wall's out. You know, Indiana should have really no sympathy in that, in that score with two players injured and, and, and Trace Jackson Davis obviously playing for some pain. Um, but I think if you're an Indiana fan, you know, what, what you feel good about is as much as anything else, just seeing it. I think you could, you know, it, it was palpable in the building Saturday. The the way that the the arena basically was embracing Indiana's defensive effort and, and not, the, you know, 
the the reaction to the way Indiana was defending was um, substantially greater than any reaction to Indiana's offensive struggles in the first half. Um, just you know, you, you could see that that the crowd kind of showed up hoping to see Indiana show some of that that fire again, and they got it. And you know, Wisconsin only shoots thirty two percent for the game. Um, obviously, only forty five points. Indiana outscored them uh, by 20 in the paint. Um, you know, they, they outscored them on second chance points. They out-rebounded Wisconsin. Um, you know, committed fewer turnovers than Wisconsin, which is, is not something you can often say uh, when you play Wisconsin. And, you know, I think that the, the one thing, and I wrote about this after the game Saturday, was, you know, Wisconsin is, is the team that more than maybe any other in, in the league is built to – uh, to, to test your intangibles. And Indiana never really wavered, and I think they, they deserve a lot of credit for that. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, with us here on this Monday edition of the program. There, there's a lot to unpack from the game, but uh, Trace Jackson Davis, I thought he was extremely uh, dominant. Uh, Stephen Kroll, the, the big man for Wisconsin, has been playing some really good basketball lately uh, for the Badgers. But my goodness, Trace really uh, made, made big moves and outshined him on Sunday. There is no question about that. Yeah, and I thought that was one area where, and, you know, Jordan Geronimo playing so well helped. He had 12 points and 11 rebounds. I think notably five of his rebounds were offensive rebounds, which sort of tells you, you know, which team was maybe, to use some of the old coaching cliches, being the aggressor or, you know, bringing the fight into the game and that kind of thing. Um, but I, I thought Prowell really struggled, and I thought, I thought, I mean, Wisconsin did what everybody tries to do uh, within their own structure in terms of doubling Trace Jackson Davis. Um, I don't know if maybe they would have been better at it had Wall been there and they could have thrown two pretty good players at him instead of just one. Um, but it, it didn't have to feel like Crowell just, even through some of those doubles, um, like Crowell was just kind of, was kind of down there on his own at, at times. And, you know, when you got, when you get, Jordan Geronimo playing well, not turning the ball over, not, you know, fouling too much or committing too many defensive mistakes. And instead you get this Jordan Geronimo, who again is at 12 and 11. Um, you know, I think he finished with one of the highest. I mean, the, the, the starting lineup was all between plus 19 and plus 21 and, and, and plus minus. And the, again, those five offensive rebounds really jump off the page for Geronimo as well. Um, that just frees up you know, so much for Trace Jackson Davis. And I think that's a big part of the reason why Indiana only hits one three in this game, only takes eight. Um, but Jackson Davis still has 18, 12, four assists, five blocks, is is because he had, you know, in the absence of Race Thompson, Jordan Geronimo uh, gave Indiana kind of a, a really able foil that I think at times, frankly, um, probably affected Wisconsin's double, you know, in, in the same way that sometimes making a bunch of threes can pull a team away from a double. Well, when Jordan Geronimo's got five offensive rebounds and he's getting multiple baskets directly off of Trace Jackson Davis, handing the ball off around the double and things like that, suddenly, you know, suddenly you're questioning that double team. Is that still a good idea? Because you got this other guy that's beating us to second chances. that's playing above the rim, you know, and, uh, and I think, that was a big piece of, of getting Indiana kind of basically almost just kind of keeping Indiana 
in control in the first half, and then, of course, in the second, they kind of ran out of sight. Zach Osterman, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Zach, the old saying, defense wins games, defense wins championships, uh, it's still alive today. And I think a lot of people can see that and agree with that. Indiana, I think, by far had one of their better defensive performances of recent and maybe even one of their better defensive performances of the season. Uh, to me, that is what shined the most collectively across the team in that big win on Sunday. And again, I mean, in the building, I mean, that was the lowest, that was the, I'm looking at it now, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the third lowest single-game uh, efficiency number for an opponent offensively. Uh, Kirk Kenpon this season, the, the only two that were lower uh, were Bethune-Cookman and uh, Jackson State. So, I mean, you, you know, you're, you're um, Wisconsin's adjusted efficiency finish was 0.717 points per possession. Um, that's an outstanding number. And it's, and it's made even, you know, more so when you consider Indiana had not managed to hold any of the five previous high major opponents that played under 1.1. Um, not even, not even at, you know, around one or under one, but 1.1, which is, you know, 1.1 points per possession is, is, is not a very good number to be allowing. And Indiana was struggling to even get under that, uh, going back to Arizona, Kansas, Iowa, Northwestern, Penn State. So to do that against Wisconsin, and again, I think there were some ways in which Wisconsin was a little bit kind of the, the, the right team. Um, you know, Wisconsin also couldn't really stress Indiana athletically in, in a lot of positions. Um, couldn't stretch Indiana out, obviously. Missed some open threes. I mean, that you know, that, that'll always come down to it. But listen, you know, it, it, how many times have you said, especially um, when a team struggles on the road, you can't count on three-point shooting to go on the road with you. you you've got to, you know, every team knows you can't just say, well, we're going we're gonna to shoot a bunch of threes on the road, and that's how we're going to win today. Um, you got to find other places to really kind of plant your flag. And Indiana just didn't allow Wisconsin to do it. And like I said, the um, – the it was palpable in the building the extent to which the crowd and probably to some extent the team um, fed one another in terms of and, and I don't try to get too deep into some of this stuff but you really could feel it on, on Saturday in terms of basically the defensive effort being what mattered the, the defensive effort being what um, all anybody really cared about and, and in the crowd that meant that the energy was high, even when maybe some shots weren't going in. And on the floor, I think the, you know, the, the team deserved a lot of credit for essentially um, not being bothered by, you know, you'll see teams that will struggle offensively. They won't be able to find a rhythm and they'll start making mistakes at the other end of the floor. This was the Indiana team we talked about a season ago, you know, defending like it was the only way that, that it, it believed it could win games. Um, Indiana only really seemed to care what it did defensively for long stretches on on Saturday, and that you know it just organically led to some good offense. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, with us. Want to talk just a tad more about Jordan Geronimo? Uh, easily his best game of the season. He had twelve points, eleven rebounds. Uh, of those eleven rebounds, five of them were offensive. Uh, he looked like the Geronimo we all thought and wondered about, and. Could he have a much bigger role this season than in previous years at Indiana? That was the guy we saw Sunday. He had a really good deal for a outing for Indiana on Sunday. Yeah, and again, I think there are you know some 
some ways it looks like Wisconsin was not a team that was going to be able to stress him defensively, which has been one of the areas he struggled in recently is just, just kind of on-ball defense, one-to-one defense. Um, on the other hand, I think, you know, where he deserves credit is, is again, his ability to – coaches love to talk about stuff like rebounding and particularly offensive rebounding and say that, that that's reflective of energy level and is reflective of aggressiveness, you know, relative to everybody else on the floor – you know, Jordan Durano had, I think, I think he had three of his five offensive rebounds in the first half. And you looked at even just that, and you thought, geez, it's 21 to 20. This feels like it's going to be a grinded out, low possession, low scoring, you know, first one to 50 wins kind of game. If somebody's up there grabbing you three, four extra possessions in a game like this, that's gold. You know, I mean, that's, that's, that is, that is striking it rich. And I think he deserved a lot of credit. And, you know, he talked a little bit, uh, post-game about how he's really sort of tried to emphasize staying in the moment and, and not letting mistakes compound. And that can be one of the most difficult things for an athlete to do is to essentially, you know, um, uh, I mean, for, for lack of a better term, just forget when he screws up, you know, when, when he or she screws up, that, that can sometimes be the most difficult thing for an athlete is, is just flushing mistakes, not letting mistakes creep into your the back of your mind and think, oh, I better not screw up again, or now I gotta go make up for a mistake. I, I just allowed two points, now I gotta go score two points. But just keep going forward. And I think he talked about trying to be, you know, more disciplined in that area. And uh, you know, I, I if he feels it helped him, then obviously it did. But I think that just in terms of his performance, you could look at him and say, you know, there was a player that was bringing a, a certain level of aggressiveness and a certain level of toughness. Um, that almost nobody on the court and certainly nobody in a Wisconsin uniform ever really matched. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star. Good stuff on basketball up against a commercial break, but I do want to ask one IU football or bring up one IU football topic. Indiana football with a very interesting commitment over the weekend. Taven Jackson of Center Grove. He's the younger brother of Trace Jackson Davis, the Indiana star. He was at the game on Sunday. I think there were some chants from the student section about him on Sunday, encouraging him to commit to the Hoosiers. He's in the transfer portal, or was. Um, he was uh, was at Tennessee last season in a reserve role, but he, he will be at Indiana next year. He could be the quarterback for the Hoosiers and Tom Allen next season. Yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, I think Indiana fans will um, will obviously remember not just him as Trace's brother, but him as the quarterback of that really, really good Center Grove team that won back to back state titles and um, was was you know frankly probably one of the best um, one of the best high school football teams I think I've ever seen you know in in this state. Um, he was you know in, in high school he did not throw it a ton. Um, you know, Center Grove isn't just like a, a ground and pound offense, but th- there was a real power element to what they, they did. And obviously they had a really, really good running back there um, in, uh, in, uh, uh, I'm losing my mind, Carson Steele. Um, <clears throat> but he was also an elite 11 quarterback. He's got, you know, all the measurables in, in terms of his athleticism, his size. Um, and if you watched him play, you know, I mean, it, it, the all the mechanics and, and all of the stuff that you would want from a quarterback in terms of talking about, you know, just sort of like, okay, high school quarterbacks can sometimes be, you know, hard to, to evaluate because 
they, they do one thing for their high school. They do something else when they're playing seven on seven. They do something else when they're in like a camp setting or an elite 11 setting or whatever. But if you looked at him, you just thought his mechanics are good. His size is good. You know, it's a cliche, but he's a winner. You know, he's, 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 he's quarterback for a team as much as this can exist in high school football. You know, I mean, starting quarterback at Center Grove, that there's a there's a level of expectation on you there that you know, kind of everybody understands and, and what that carries with it. Um, I just think it, it when you couple that to obviously he's Chase Jackson Davis's brother, and that's I'm sure a very special moment for the family. Um, he's a really big pickup for Indiana, and he's also a really big pickup because Indiana needs a quarterback, and he hasn't had a, a ton of playing time in college. I think he's gotten some garbage time snaps in Tennessee. I know I've talked to a couple of good friends that, that cover Tennessee um, since he committed yesterday, and, and they were they were adamant like he wasn't pushed out. It, it, this wasn't like UT didn't didn't want him to leave, and I think he you know I think he understood why he did. Joe Milton will be back next year. They've got a couple. Really, they've got I think in twenty twenty three like a, an elite quarterback coming in, and they're you would expect Tennessee being what they are to continue to recruit the quarterback position very well, um, but it wasn't something like. You know, Tennessee was not trying to run him off or open up a scholarship to anybody's knowledge. Um, I think there's every chance, you know, listen, it's January 16th, so don't don't hold me to this. A thousand things can change. But I, I do think there's every chance David Jackson is, is Indiana's starting quarterback when, uh, when Indiana opens with Ohio State in September. And I know people will say Indiana needs a quarterback who's more experienced, and I get that. And, hey, maybe they'll, they'll try to add that. I don't know. Um, but the, the other thing I would say is, like, every college quarterback isn't experienced until they are. Last season, Indiana had two guys with substantial experience in college. And I'm not picking on Connor Bazelak or Jack Tuttle. A lot of this wasn't, you know, completely within their control. But Indiana's offense was stuck until they went to the guy that had literally no college experience in Dexter Williams. And then Indiana found something and, and you know, just kind of unfolded. Um, I think Jackson has a lot of really good tools. I think he's got obviously a really good story. Um, not, not just as Trace's brother, but as, as a, you know, a, a center Grove grad coming home and all that. Um, and like I said, I, I would not be stunned if, if he's Indiana's QB one to, to start next season. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Zach, great run today. Good stuff. Thanks for your coverage and time. And uh, we'll talk again next Monday. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Interesting quote in the Star's story about uh, Jackson. He said, uh, this is a quote, he said, quote, I just kept looking over to my dad and had a big smile on it. He had a big smile on his face because I was here when Romeo Langford was getting recruited and they were chanting his name as a little kid. I thought that was like the greatest thing ever. It was really surreal and really cool. I thought kind of a neat tie-in to Romeo, and that was crazy when he would go to IU and other places to get that kind of interaction with the fans. But we'll head to a break. We're back to talk some local sports and, of course, some high school basketball with Chad Gilbert, the AD at Charlestown. We have him on to talk some of the top high school basketball storylines coming out of the weekend, and we'll do that next, including a broken goal, a broken rim up at Brownstown in that Silver Creek-Brownstown game. So we'll discuss that next right here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And welcome back here on this Monday program. The Thornton's text line open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That is the Thornton's text line. Uh, Let's get right to it. Chad Gilbert, athletic director at Charlestown High School, IHSA executive board member and former coach, boys and girls at Jeffersonville. He's with us on Mondays. The goal is to talk local sports headlines coming out of the weekend, especially the big high school basketball games. And, Chad, one of the things I've not addressed so far today in my conversation earlier with Ryan Miller was another crazy happening. And Silver Creek, one of our local teams, playing up at Brownstown, who's really good with Jack Benner. He's committed to Purdue. He's a great high school player, great shooter. He broke the rim. He broke the backboard on a dunk in a very close game in the second quarter, and that's where the game came to a pause, a halt, and it's going to be made up this week in advance of Silver Creek's game on Friday against New Albany, another rivalry kind of game here in the area. Have you ever witnessed at the high school level uh, in practice or in a game a broken backboard? That was dangerous and a little scary. Man, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Uh, that's something, you know, that being a basketball guy like you and all, that's one of those things. You'd like to have a little piece of that backboard just to be in your office at some point. And I'm sure uh, Coach Benner has something that he'll have for his son down the road with that. Can you can you imagine that? Let's let's put yourself in Jack Benner's shoes. As a junior, what haven't you done? I mean, you broke the school record. You're on track for 2,000 points. You're committed to Purdue. Uh, you're... You're set up, you know. To me, it's going to come down to Providence and Brownstown who wins the 2A state championship. The sectional at Southwestern is going to come down to that. But in Jack's case, you know, he had to get five stitches on that. And I guess it cut him up pretty good. It was a scary fall. If you saw those pictures, he's, you know, he's prone in the air. If he comes back, no issues on his shooting hand, five stitches. Matt, it's worth it for the rest of your life to say you broke a backboard, don't you think? <laughs> uh, I guess now that it's over and he's safe and, and healthy and is going to recover quickly, I, I guess. But when I first saw the picture, uh, my immediate thought, and I was in the middle of interviewing Pam Hall, the Jeff principal at halftime, she got the picture on her phone. Uh, I, I thought, oh, gosh, I, I hope he's okay. That's the first you know, reaction. But, yes, and I do remember, Chad, I was a, a kid. I remember, I, and I don't want to say anything on air that's not false, so I want to make sure I say I'm not 100% on this, but I actually have uh, <laughs> a broken piece of, of, of uh, a cup of glass. I think Pinot Pipes at New Albany uh, broke the backboard, shattered the backboard, uh, and so I, that was in practice, though, so that may be a little okay. odd thing. It shows my connection over the years to New Albany basketball, even as a young kid being around the program. But, uh, yeah, I believe it happened there, I, but I've never heard of it elsewhere, at least locally I haven't. So, Oh, it's, uh, it's remarkable. But talking to Mark Dehart, Mark is the former AD at Brownstown, and Mark uh, just retired. Imagine that. He just retired in January. 
So the new AD, how would you like to step in that role? And the first thing you deal with is a broken backboard. <laughs> but Brownstown just had a new floor put in, new backboards, and new rims. And so they were guaranteed shatterproof and guaranteed that that would not happen, according to Mark. But that just shows you in life, nothing's guaranteed. Yeah, crazy stuff. Chad Gilbert, my guess. Chad, coming out of the weekend, there were two big rivalry games to talk about. Coach Miller of Providence was with us earlier, but I thought Floyd Central played great Friday. They couldn't get over the hump, and Jeff came storming back late to get the win. But we've had some great, and we focus on rivalry games at a texture. Say, hey, why do you always talk about the same teams? Well, as far as I know, in the middle of the day, I'm the only guy on the radio locally that even mentions high school basketball or high school sports. So if we're going to do so in an 11 a.m. show, we're going to talk about the teams that have the big followings and that are closest to the WXVW uh, range as far as the signal goes. And anybody that has success will bring them on or state championships. But New Albany and Jeff and Providence, Silver Creek with their great success recently, Floyd Central, those have always kind of been our focus schools for obvious reasons and probably always will, I think, in many regards. But that said, um, you know, I, I tell you what – what a what a deal for sure, and uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. I got off track, so you can you can pick up Chad where I left off. Well, you know, and you think about it. Coming back from Christmas, it's good to have those rivalry games because everybody's kind of in that Christmas funk. You've had two weeks that your schedule's off. You know, our coach up here, Matt Lynch, did an excellent job on Christmas break. He practiced every day at eight a.m., so our kids would have to stay in that school mode so they didn't lose too much of a beat but if you start coming in practicing 11 practicing two you know your guys are going to be out all night you know they're going to sleep till 11 you know they're going to mess around do whatever and that gets you in a little bit of all once you get back to school this time of year those rivalry games help with that matt because it kind of reels you in this time of the year though moving forward is the hardest time of year to coach because you're just in that low now the girls get through this week They've got two weeks left, and it's sectional time. So, you know, it's they got a carrot they can dangle out. The boys have six weeks left, so they get past this two weeks. You, you start saying, hey, we're counting down. we got four weeks left in the season. You dangle that carrot. You see teams start to turn that corner in February. I think those rivalries help with help with that. But it's a hard time of year to be the coach. For sure. And, and to be a player. I, you know, I've, I've done both, and it's hard. Chad Gilbert, my guest, talking local sports here on this Monday program. It's hard to believe that the girls' pairing show is coming up on Sunday uh, and that we'll be talking about postseason basketball there very soon. But, Chad, as we head out today um, across this area right now, Providence is the team. And as the Casey Kalen returns to the lineup, looks so good on Saturday, I can't wait to see. And we've always been at the 4A sectional in, in Seymour. And going back over the years, it's always been New Albany, Jeff, Charlie Jenkins, Ted Throckmorton uh, have dominated as far as the postseason. But I'm not so sure, Chad, that I don't get with the bosses here at the Big X and say we got to veer off and do that Providence-Brownstown game in the sectional. That could be one for the ages. It really could. No question about it. I've seen Providence play every game. I've got vested interest in Providence. You know, my best friends are playing for them. You know, so I enjoy watching their success. Uh, and Coach Miller does an outstanding job. They're going that Brownstown game is going to determine who makes a run. But make no doubt, you look at Linton Stockton and other teams in two A. Two A is loaded in the South. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad, thank you so much for the chat here on this Monday program. Uh, postseason basketball coming quickly. We'll talk with you again soon.
Matt, quick question for the Thornton's chat line. <laughs> let's get back, Matt, Charlestown High School. Let's get back the old Clarksville. Remember how Clarksville did that three-point shooting contest? Thornton chat line. Could we would we have people interested in getting back and putting teams in that, playing in that? If you remember that 10, 12 years ago, that was outstanding and a lot of it fun. Was a, Let's it was work a, on that, Matt. It was a fundraiser for Clarksville Correct. Historical Society. Absolutely. Let's yeah. work on that, yeah. try to get one going to Charlestown. <laughs> I think I think we got a hidden gem there. I remember that. That was fun. I, I I can't remember. It was a town council member there for years that organized that. And I was when I was working for the New Albany mayor, I would always put a New Albany team. Uh, and I think one year we had Braden Hobbs and we we killed everybody. Chad Gilbert with us Mondays. That's going to wrap things up. Have a great Monday. Back with you at 11 a.m. Tuesday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. WXVW Jeffersonville.